You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and one, right back to Barkley in a huge hole. Saquon Barkley off to the races and the home run hitter has gone deep here on the second play from scrimmage for the Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football Grump, and this is Mike the Cranky Fan. This is Breakfast with the Grump. (laughs) This is the the earliest we've ever recorded. Uh, I am coming to you live from St. Pete, Florida. I'm down here for Florida USF this weekend, and... uh, Unfortunately, I took a late flight last night, so we have to do this super early Friday morning. So uh, you get to see our ugly morning mugs today. Yeah, we're we're starting off uh, starting off the season a little shaky because we got to do this one the day, you know, the day it's <laughs> it's coming out, and then um, next week we jump right into a Thursday night game, which is both bullshit and annoying. So. Um, <laughs> It's you know it's it's a shaky start for for us. It's a shaky start for the Giants. Uh, they are hosting the Denver Broncos Sunday at four twenty five at MetLife Stadium, and um, it's not really I don't know what I would consider the best matchup in the universe to start off the season. Would you agree? I mean, it's the NFL. I mean, you could say there's tough matchups in every game. So. Uh... Not ideal with the uh, you know the defense of Denver, but uh, you know something I keep reminding myself that people are so doom and gloom about this game and already marking it off as a loss. If you look in Vegas, their win over under number is only seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not talking about a team that's making their reservations for the Super Bowl just yet. So let's uh, you know let's not get ahead of ourselves and and freak out because of you know the limited amount we've seen for the offensive line in preseason. Let's uh, let's let's talk about this rationally and, and see where we go. Yeah. Yet though, I, I believe the Giants are going in as two and a half point underdogs. Though. That's um, right. I mean, that doesn't mean a public sentiment about this craziness is uh, is out there. It's yeah. Just uh, let's let's think about this realistically and see if this is actually a good investing opportunity or not. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, we're coming to you live this morning. Not live. We're coming to you from. Um, from YouTube for only the second time, so be sure to like, subscribe, and uh, let other people know as well um, that we are on YouTube now, uh, which is much, much, much cooler. And if you're still old school and you want to pod- listen to us on the podcast, you know where to subscribe: iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the all the normal uh, all the normal places. So if you've liked us before on podcast, keep listening there. If you're More here of for the dates, YouTube, yeah, yeah, welcome, and uh, you know. Hopefully, if you have your safety glasses on looking at our faces, but, um, you know, away we go for another giant season starting this weekend. Yeah, and, and we're coming into this one with, with plenty of uh, headlines because it is week one. Um, this is probably the hardest episode to do, I would say, in my opinion, because we're just basing – you don't want to base anything on preseason, but you can't base things on last year, you know, so – it just comes down to some of our best guesswork and stuff, but there's plenty of headlines coming into this. And, and for starters, the, the Broncos are starting Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke to start the season this year. Um, I would say that I'm not entirely surprised by that. Uh, not at all. I mean, if, I thought it was even silly that there was a quarterback uh, battle all all preseason. I mean, to me, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, 
He's a, he's a solid. I think he's a solid starter in the NFL. And Drew Locke is not. <laughs> so, I mean, injuries aside and everything, and, you know, just because you're on a second or third team doesn't mean that you are, you know, useless as a quarterback. And so to me, he's a starting quarterback. I, I think that was all like a big charade, you know, maybe a little gamesmanship before game one. But this is who I expected to see as their starting quarterback. I find these two teams to be very interesting, and I find this matchup to be a kind of a bummer because – I would say they're in a failure, fa- fairly similar. That was weird. A fairly similar state right now. I, I'd say the Giants are just slightly ahead of where the Broncos are in terms of building a team. Um, you know, Vic Fangio is a defensive guy. He's kind of built that defense first. It's, it's a good defense. You know, it's a, it's a good roster that Denver has put together on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, offensively, we see kind of, I would say, similar struggles in terms of the defensive side that you can put a lot more trust into, but the offensive side is kind of a mess, but they're a little different, right? The Giants right now have spent the offseason, um, you know, they, they went out, they've gotten the quarterback that they hope is the, the future of the franchise, and this last offseason, they have just dumped money into upgrading this team but specifically the talent around Daniel Jones whereas Denver is kind of in a, a weird situation where they went out they got their quarterback that they hope is the future of the franchise he's not ready yet so he's not even playing um, he may not I mean just as Daniel Jones is but may not be the future of the franchise at all um, but instead of surrounding him with, with skill position players it seems that like a lot of the investment was in that offensive line and so we have two separate kind of offensive uh uh, situations, but otherwise, from a team perspective, the same kind of thing where we have a, a quarterback you're not sure that you trust, and um, he's got to limit his mistakes. But defensively, you feel pretty comfortable. So it's kind of an odd matchup. It's almost like a mirror matchup to start the season. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about Daniel Jones, the Giants have their quarterback that they've invested the future in, and he's what they're rolling with for you know the foreseeable future, you know, at least this year, at least next year, maybe the year after where Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, I just gave him a probably more praise than he deserves, but he's kind of a, a stopgap solution for them. And, you know, when you're rebuilding a team, you only have X amount of resources. You only have X amount of draft capital to spend. You have X amount of, you know, salary cap money you can spend. So you can't, you can't fix everything all at once. And the giants, you know, made the decisions last year to upgrade, you know, the, you know, the secondary and, you know, the wide receivers and everything, but the offensive line, you know, there are some pieces still that need to be addressed and people that are complaining about our offensive line. You know, it's just like, it, it can't all be solved in one season. So it just has to be incremental changes and the giants are in the middle of that. So that's kind of where they are right now in getting, you know, comparing the two teams. What's very interesting is that I sit here and tell you that they're in a similar situation, these teams. And, um, you know, in, in kind of getting ready for this episode, I, I found that the team that has spent the most money on its secondary is the Denver Broncos in the whole league and for, for this year. And the team with the second most, uh, like, cash investment into their secondary is the New York Giants. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they're, it makes they're a lot very, of sense. very similar. Yeah. I mean, in this league now, the way the league is, and if you watch the game last night, which we'll talk about a little bit, you better have a good secondary. You better be able to handle teams throwing 50 times and throwing all over the place. So 
you know, having a good secondary is just as important as having a good pass rush and be able to stop the run. You can't, uh, you can't neglect it and you have to spend money on it. They're, you know, good corners are, they're going to get very expensive in the open market. So that's how that price tag jumps up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to your credit about the offensive line, uh, the giants had their own news, uh, come out this week. Kind of a kind of a big headline. It was a, it was a shock to me. Nate Solder was named as the starting right tackle for the Giants going to Week One. Um, you know, we were talking before. Uh, I, I want to say what was it last week? We were talking. Nate Solder may not even make this team. He played so poorly right. in that final preseason game that you know you suggested, and I I didn't. I I was yeah. I could see that for sure. He he. Yeah. I don't know if he had a single good rep in that final preseason game. And I don't want to, you know, harp too much on preseason, but it's also been a year since he's played. He hasn't played right tackle since, I want to say, the Giants were in the Super Bowl. Um, and in that in that year before, he didn't look good. He was awful, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's coming off a Pro Bowl performance. Right. He's working his way back. Yeah. Yeah, so a little shocking. You know, Matt Parrott didn't – I mean, he certainly didn't grab the job and, and run away with it. So I, I get why it happened, but – it doesn't make me feel very happy, and this is obviously where the the main matchup that we're gonna watch is is going to be Andrew Thomas, who had a shitty fourth preseason game, but otherwise had a solid preseason and training camp, and Nate Solder, who had a shitty everything for since 2019, is going up against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Well, Chubb, I do not think is gonna play. You don't think he's gonna play? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of you know it's. All the things I've been reading and seeing and stuff, I, I have a feeling he's not going to play. So that would be a huge sigh, really, for Giant fans out there. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we're we're talking again about, you know, we just said this thing about Andrew Thomas had a bad fourth preseason game and and, and Solder having a bad game. The thing, you know, we always have to remind ourselves is that we watch probably one one hundredth of the snaps that go on during training camp. You know. We see what we see in these limited amount of appearances in, in preseason on TV. The coaches see every drill, every snap, every situational thing they put these guys through. They know more than we do. And, you know, we see a small snapshot of how these guys look. And, you know, if they think that Nick Soldier is the best solution right now at right tackle, they're not doing it because they're trying to be – trying to be funny or trying to be, you know, smart asses or something. They, they honestly must see something during, you know, Monday through Thursday during training camp that we haven't seen. So if you, if you trust this coaching staff and, you know, we like to say how much we like Joe judge and his, you know, we think he's an up and coming coach. We have to kind of put our trust in it, that they're making the right move right now. It's going to bear out very quickly over these first couple of games, but I think that's just kind of the way we have to roll right now. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a shock to me, but at the end of the day, I have to just bank on what the coaches are seeing. I, they they clearly gave Matt Pear every opportunity to earn the job, and so when they don't give him the job, I have to think that there is a legitimate reason for it. This isn't, you know, lunacy. Yeah. Um, it's Matt certainly Pert. not a good position to be in. Yeah, remember, though, when they, when they drafted Pert, you know, the, the words we said, and I think the words you said were kind of, this is a bit of a project. Oh, yeah. And to me, a project is like 
you know, two, three years down the road. And this is his second year, but like this has been a crazy two years. You know, basically last year, you know, we said this countless times on this show. It was, it was so crazy with no offseason and things. It's almost like a wash. So, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what this coaching staff has for a timeline for him to be realistic. You know, is when they expect him to be like a legitimate starter and ready to go. So it might be right according to what their plan is for him based on his developmental needs and how he's progressing along. Yeah. I mean, that you could be right, and we would never have that insight, to be honest. Because even if coaches said that at a press conference, we would just say, like, oh, they're just, you know, that's just the, the right answer yeah. to justify whatever. So, yeah, you're now, right. He might, be, he might be close enough along that they think they can just fill the gap with a guy like Nate Solder and not have to go out and get somebody else to fill that spot. I mean, it might be something where, you know, we think in about three or four weeks that he'll be ready to take over and, and away we go or a couple of weeks or maybe there might be a little tweak that he has or something that he's not 100% ready to go that maybe maybe not even be worthy enough to be on a injury report, but just like let's start with Solder to get started and then that transition will happen. So I'm not overly concerned about Pert, like his development or why isn't he starting. I'm more concerned about Solder starting the person. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't, I'm not looking into this anything as like, you know, what's the long-term implication is or, or what does this mean? Um, if we're, if we're having this show on November 1st and Solder's still starting, well, one of two things, one, he's playing well and he's still starting or, we can have that that conversation about part. What, what's his story? Yeah, and 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 this pass rush is going to be like probably the main thing in this game. It, 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 we can't have Daniel Jones under fire immediately and on every time he drops back in this game. It won't end well. Oh. Um, or run around so, for any quarterback, and especially him. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, we, we, it, I'm not even really worried about him, but. I just I want to see him be able to develop and grow, and it just seems like it's been forever since he's just been able to play a game from a clean pocket for most of the game. Uh, he just he's had a start to his career where every drop back is usually, you know, somebody's coming at him in, in the whole time he's been here. Uh, I would just love for a game to not have that happen, but that's probably not going to happen this game. Now, what's interesting is you think that Chubb is not going to play. He's basically the only one on the Denver injury report. He is limited. He's he's dealing with an ankle that has been nagging for uh, quite a while, but he's played through that the preseason. Noah Fant, you know, uh, Miller, Okwebunum, and um, Cortland Sutton, they were all full participants in practice with their various nicks and bruises. But, but Chubb you know, has been kind of just popped up on the injury report this week. So I find it interesting. You don't think he's going to play. I think that that was like random gamesmanship from Fangio. I think he's just tossed him on the injury report and stuff. I've heard um, a couple of podcasts with some Denver people, you know, Mm -hmm. Denver insiders and stuff, and they were kind of, I don't know. I'm not very, I'm not so confident he's going to play or not. So that's where I'm kind of coming from. And, you know, it's one thing if you're just reading just the transcripts of what the coaches say or watch, listen to the, uh, you know, their media sessions, and you can tell when someone's saying bullshit or not when it's complete coach speak. But I got the sense there was definitely kind of a, a doubtfulness about the tone of some of these guys. So, I mean, if he plays, I'm not going to be super shocked, and I'm not going to be like, oh, but you know, I, 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 if you put a gun to my head, I have a feeling he's not going to play, or if it is, it's very, very limited. That's interesting. Um, 
the Broncos do have kind of a um, a, a decent rotation at, at the outside, but but not having Chubb available for this game would be would be monumental, uh, or having him in some limited capacity would be would be beneficial as well. So that's really interesting. Von Miller uh, missed all of last year. In the preseason games I've watched, and again, I acknowledge that the preseason, I just don't have anything recent to, to watch otherwise. Uh, he's looked like his old self. Chubb, I will say, has looked in the preseason a bit slow, you know, maybe not as confident. And I, I also acknowledge that he's not probably going 100% in a preseason game. So I don't know, though. It could be a lingering ankle thing. I, I'm yeah. going to, to assume that Andrew Thomas is going to have to deal with him. Oh, I... Yeah, I, I would I would prepare for the worst and you know hope to be pleasantly surprised. But I I, I just again I have a feeling he's he's not going to be there, which you know would be a great thing for Andrew Thomas, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, the flip side is the Giants' injury report here. It's it's obviously much longer. They've been dealing with injuries to all of camp, um, but it it seems like just about everybody besides Evan Ingram is looking like they're going to play. Now, this is Friday morning, so this is the practice today that may change everything that we're recording and releasing for you. Um, but, <laughs> of course. But, I mean, that's why you follow us on Twitter at football underscore ground, um, <laughs> where we can amend these kind of statements. But, you know, the practice report's a lot longer. But, you know, Dory Jackson, Kenny Galladay, uh, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Rudolph, Saquon Barkley, and Shane Lemieux, those are your usual suspects they all appear as if they are going to play. Tony is officially listed as a hamstring injury, by the way. I don't know if that was ever actually said by a coach. It, it, it hasn't been. We all assumed it was COVID-related fallout. We, mm-hmm. we never actually heard hamstring before. Right. And um, I believe he his junior year at UF, he dealt with a hamstring and was out for a few games for that. So this is nothing... You know, I don't know if it's related to something that happened, you know, two years ago, but he had a hamstring issue issue prior to this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to him in just a second. Um, but Andrew Thomas popped up there with an ankle. Caden Smith, uh, Danny Shelton, Josh Jackson still, obviously, and, you know, the new guy, Justin Hilliard. But Evan Ingram seems to be the only one that we are not expecting to be there. He had that non-contact calf injury that looked kind of bad. Um, I don't know that we were ever given a severity of the injury ever, um, but we, you know, he clearly didn't look happy going to the locker room. Um, the insiders have been pretty down on it all this week about his potential to play, and uh, I've been going into mindset this with this week that he's not playing. Yeah, and I, I don't see the need to force him in there. I mean. I know that we're all down on Evan Ingram in general, but you know he's a, he is a dynamic player and somebody in the middle of the field that you'd want to throw the ball to. But it, I don't his, see an issue. It, I would not rush him along sure. for week one. His reputation around the league is a lot greater than what Giant fans think of Evan Ingram. I mean, the guy was voted a pro bowler last year. I mean, that sounds really silly, but there's enough of his perception out there that he's a guy you have to kind of game plan a little bit for, and he's a mismatch problem. So... Not having him on the field, either if he doesn't have the production that Giant fans are hoping for, or those, you know, drops at the wrong time, it's still a presence out there, and it's a game planning presence that, you know, the drop off to Caden Smith or something is a lot different. Yeah, 
it, it different, but I wouldn't say necessarily like a a overall drop off. They're just kind of different. Um, you, I don't think you'd ever really use Caden Smith and Evan Ingram on plays designed for each other. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's what I mean, though. I mean, you, you know, you're you're game planning more for for a more dynamic play from a guy like Evan Ingram. You know, mm-hmm. something that uh, you're trying to how do, how do I overcome a mismatch potential when you're game planning for someone like him, where it's different with Caden Smith. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and speaking of game planning, that's kind of the other matchup I want to watch here. It, it's it's kind of difficult coming up with matchups to watch when we've had such an expen- extensive injury <laughs> report, and it's week one. You know, I mean, I don't know what to think of a lot of these Broncos players, you know, now in this system, you know. Uh, but I am very interested to see Patrick Graham and Pat Shermer going head-to-head. Um <laughs> I I like Pat Shermer as an offensive coordinator. I think he's, you know, I I wouldn't say brilliant, but I I would. He's that's why he got the job as the Giant head coach. Immediately got the job as an offensive coordinator upon his firing as well. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm interested to see how that works. I mean, he's worked with Teddy Bridgewater, Minnesota as well, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Bringing in a, a guy that he's comfortable with that, I don't know if he remembers the offense or knows it especially well, but just that he's comfortable with working. It, he's got a good working relationship. He knows his skill set pretty well. It's like riding a bike for a lot of these things. You know, you may need a little brush up on the the, uh, the terminology, but, you know, an offense is an offense. And, mm-hmm. again, we're not dropping him in, you know, today saying, oh, remember what we did three years ago? I mean, they've gone through a whole off season in a training camp and all that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm I'm expecting a little bit more, um, a little bit more out of the second year in this Broncos offense, and and now with Teddy Bridgewater there, who's more of a fit maybe for what Pat Shermer wants to do. But on the flip side, now Patrick Graham has all of the tools on the outside to let him play a lot more man coverage that he didn't get to play last year, and do a lot more aggressive and exotic looking blitzes um, to fluster Teddy Bridgewater, who is average. You know, with the athleticism that he is now left with after his injury, I would say he is average. He's probably not going to lose you a game, but maybe he'll win you one close game a year. I think the giant defense is in a position where it's going to be, when we look back in November, you can bookmark this, is going to be one of the storylines of the year. You know, the Giants, I think, are going to we've done our schedule preview earlier, you know, during the off season, the giants are going to overachieve on based on what people think they're going to do. And the big reason is going to be the defense and the defense is going to at times really shine and be kind of like that. Oh, it's been a, a surprise how well the giant defense is where, you know, anybody who watches the giants know the foundation was built last year and the pieces they built in this off season. So, you know, I, this giant defense is on the on the breakout of being nationally respected as really good, and I, I think a game like today might kind of, you know, be one of those spotlight games to, to see how good this defense is. Oh sure, this is this is like, you know, <clears throat> you've been saving up for for months and and looking at a I don't know I don't know cars but like a new Corvette and you've finally got it and you've filled out all the paperwork for the title and stuff and and you know sunday afternoon is the keys 
You know, mm-hmm. you get the keys and you're going to drive it home. So you're going to want to take the long way and test out all different things and maybe we'll take it on the highway and see how fast it can go. This is this is the, the keys to the car game for Patrick Graham a little bit. I mean, still yeah. going to want to dial I mean, back some of the more complicated stuff and, and hold things from, from film as well. Yeah, I, I think the defense, going back to my point, I don't think it's being disrespected. I just think with all the other narratives about the Giants that are out there, you know, the offensive line, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, you know, blah, 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 bad division. I think what's buried, you know, is the fact that this is a very good defense and was a very good defense and will be an even better defense this year. And, you know, if the Giant offense is you know sputtering along because, you know, Daniel Jones is having his issues, the offensive line can't block and this stuff that this team is kind of built for that with the defense that they can you know they have to play some games in the muck we can do that where you know if you watch some of these like if you want to take last night's game you know those are two teams that are not built to play in the muck they're gonna have to score a lot of points to win weird because you'd think that dallas was built for that but they certainly didn't call a game like that they're yeah <laughs> the, the defense they have, they they're gonna have to outscore everybody. Yeah, true. I mean, that's it. But I'm saying with this giant defense, that you know, if we're not getting optimal play, that's okay. Um, speaking of defense, the, my keys to this game um, are gonna be a lot more general than they normally would be throughout the year. But that's mainly because this is week one and we're still seeing things for the first time legitimately in this game that's upcoming. So, But for me, when I look at this matchup, defensively, um, what is going to be a key is going to be stopping the run. I know Giants fans are probably tired of hearing people prioritize establishing and stopping the running game, but for this game, I think it's going to be true. I'm not particularly worried about Teddy Bridgewater throwing for 500 yards against this secondary that we've assembled. And, you know, we're just talking about it, especially with the skill position players that they have. I mean, they're not, it's not that they're not good. It's that they're not very deep at skill position. Um, So, you know, they kind of have three wide receivers. They're like, okay, whatever. But we're not talking about this group of five wide receivers that's going to require, you know, good man coverage on all of them. This isn't Dallas. This isn't Dallas. These aren't guys that are, you know, dynamic uh, game changers on their own. Yeah. But Denver's looked good moving the ball on the ground. Um, I know, again, that this is just preseason, but, I mean, it makes sense that they look good moving the ball on the ground. They have a pretty damn good offensive line. They have Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. That's a deadly backfield behind that solid offensive line. Meanwhile, the Giants' offensive starters in that final preseason game did look pretty disappointing against the run you know those first couple drives where you had the starters out there all the starters besides Adoree Jackson I think might be the only one on defense that wasn't there mm-hmm. um you know they, they were kind of getting cut up by New England and that was disappointing for me does any of what we saw in preseason actually mean anything no not really um but it doesn't change the fact that the Broncos match up far better on the ground than they do in the air so for me, I think the secondary mostly shutting down Teddy Bridgewater is kind of a given. I would say it's an expectation, but the key here is going to be also stopping him on the run and letting the Giants' offense control the game rather than the Broncos' offense. 
that was one of my points I have written here is that stopping Teddy Bridgewater with his legs to extend plays and drives. You know, if it's third and three or third and two or something, contain him, make him make him beat us over, you know, in the air. You know, I, the last thing I, you want to see is third and six and he gets out of uh, containment, out of pressure, gets the first down, you know, does that little run to the sideline, get right past the, the yard marker and, you know, another four minutes the defense is on the field. I think if this defense can limit the time of possession battle and not be on the field for 35, 36 minutes, it's a much greater chance to win. The longer they're out there, you know, it's this is game one still. And, you know, this is the first time these guys are playing 60 minutes. You know, they, they In preseason, you play X amount of snaps, X amount of drives, and that's that. This is where attrition starts to, to you know, and, and – uh, your cardio and how tired you're going to be later in the game is going to kick in. So let's, you know, I'm not saying every drive has to be three and out, but let's not have drives extended just because Teddy Bridgewater is extending plays. That, that to me is, is the big key on defense. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. Um, they've got to be a little bit better and contain, you know, than they have been in the preseason. They've been a little wild there. Um, you also have to think too. You have to think also in preseason how much game planning is actually being done in these games as oh, opposed zero. to yeah, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're I doing understand. our base things offensively and defensively. Now, all of a sudden now you, and you're talking about now how do we get a game plan specifically for this opponent, this quarterback. It's different. So, mm-hmm. again, I don't – fundamentals in preseason are kind of things you look for, but actually you know, results over a game, I, I take a little bit of a grain of salt. And I, I'm doing it the same with – you know, thinking about Denver as much as I am with the Giants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, offensively, my key here is to start fast. Um, I know the strength of this team is going to be defense, but but it's it's still a weakness this offensive line, at least right now. I'm not saying sure. it can't it can't get fixed throughout this year because I, I do think they have a, a decent group of guys put together. But whenever I have a fear about a, another team's pass rush, my advice is usually to stop. Start, start fast because nothing quite slows down a pass rush like you know from playing from behind I mean you can't take those risky aggressive blitzes and just run wild with them if you if you're behind well also if you're ahead you know you have more options on offense you don't have to be throwing 60 times trying to catch up <laughs> you know so if, if you're developed if you have a lead or something you can rely a little more on your running game and kind of you know shorten the game Again, which also slows down a pass rush. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, know, as it is, I'm worried about the four-man rush, you know, let alone a five- or six-man rush. You know, ending that shit early is going to be important for putting – putting the points on the board early can push that defense in more conservative posture, allow Jones and the offense to just settle, you know, get comfortable. And on the flip side, this also is going to put the pressure on Teddy Bridgewater, who's, you know, not the kind of quarterback that you'd want to throw a whole lot of responsibility on the shoulders in the midst of a game. Um, you know, might start making some mistakes, and it also allows, you know, it, Patrick Grant can be really aggressive, you know, and uh, you know, extend that lead, kind of prevent Pat Shermer from throwing downfield like he likes to do. Um, so for me, putting points on the board real quick, those first two drives are going to be important. If you come away with 10 points in the first two drives, you're in a good, good spot. 14, obviously, is perfect, but 
Well, the first few drives on the defense as well. We don't want to be down 7 nothing after the first drive. So we're really asking for points on the board early and a defense that kind of stands its ground mm-hmm. for right now. You know, if they, they kind of go hand in hand, I think, with this, this fast start. Yeah, and, and the Giants are not really a fast start offense. They weren't last year anyway. Um, we don't really know if they are this year, but it doesn't look super promising. But well, the Broncos well, are really bad. I mean, last year... On opening drives, they have zero touchdowns, nine points on opening drives last year, all of last yeah. year for the Broncos. That's bad. That's awful. That's that's really bad. Well, you know, and again, we're not talking about a fast, you know, we're not saying they need to go down in a minute 30, go length of the field and score. We're talking about we want results at the end of these first two drives. We want, you know, 10 points would be fantastic. That's that's kind of what it would be what we were looking for. We don't want two three and outs. Exactly. That's that's kind of my point is is making those first two drives worth it. Um, Ten points is obviously what you're probably shooting for. Fourteen is per- perfect, and seven would be acceptable. But zero oh, sure. on the first two drives is going to put this game in a position that they probably don't want to be playing. Of course, um, we're right around the half hour mark. So is it prediction time? It is prediction time. Uh, I, I'll let you go first. Jump into it. Week ones are crazy week ones to me if you're a gambler you know you're so excited you just you would bet on how long the national anthem is in week one you you know you would bet on what color jerseys come out there all these different things but it's the stupidest week to bet because we just don't know a lot of things you know we're going off we're going off limited information we're going off of you know the tiny speck of what we saw in preseason games as opposed to overall training camp and I think it leads to a lot of narratives, you know, that may or may not apply anymore. And I think this is one of those games where these narratives have been built up for the longest time, pretty much since they announced the schedule of, you know, the Giants offensive line is not good, will not be able to handle a pass rush and will be a disaster. And I just have a feeling, and I said this in our previews here over the summer, that I think I think the Giants are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game in the muck. I think you know the Giants will have trouble with the pass rush. I think Daniel Jones will be on his ass more than we'd like to be. But that Giant defense, again, is really good. And I think this is not one of the more dynamic offenses we're going to see this year. And I think they will do their job to keep the score low. And keeping the score low you know, doesn't mean we have to you know, throw for 400 yards or we have to score 35 points or – you know, have to dominate the line of scrimmage, you know, uh, the, the offensive line. We just have to do enough to get the job done. And I think, you know, our defense is going to become a story, you know, more and more and more as the year goes on. And I think we do just enough on offense. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, you know, we get him to force him to make a mistake or two, flip the field, you know, a, a low scoring game. I think the Giants win this Kind of low scoring, something like 20 to 13. I think that I am somewhere right around where you are. Um, I think this game, week ones are sloppy. You've got two teams that, like I said, I from my perspective, they're in a similar situation. I would say the Giants are slightly ahead. Um, but, I mean, it's all relative. You know, it all depends on how the offensive line works. Because if it that's not working, if that's a disaster to, uh, Sunday, then 
they're yeah. going to look a lot closer than uh, I think people want to realize. And I, I think it's strange that fans from both teams are are very confident about this game. Broncos. I mean, I know whatever it's I'm, week one, and I'm cautiously optimistic. Don't. I'm not confident. I would not go yeah. to Vegas and put a bet on this game, but I just had the. I just have a sneaky feeling about this game. That's yeah, in, I, I think I feel the same way as you. I, I feel optimistic. I've, I'm looking forward to this. I think they're going to come away with a win. But I don't think that this is a cakewalk by any man. It's no, 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 but, no. But, but fans for both teams are are they're adamant that this is the easy game. Um, I don't. I don't. I think that this is a bad matchup. I, th- I think Denver sucks. Uh, I think they're not going to be very good. But just, I mean, you have Denver does have a really good defense. Period. They have a very good secondary. They have a very good pass rush. The Giants' offensive line is bad, and until they play well, I'm not going to say that they're good. So I think this is going to be yeah. kind of a mess of a game. Not a lot of touchdowns being scored. Um, the, you know, certainly the, not not last night. The Giants are have a perception problem right now nationally. You know that, and it's been snowballing over the last couple of weeks. That you know they're considered one of the, you know. A team is going to win six games. Uh, most national people are. You know, Daniel Jones has been taking a beating nationally by the talking heads. Uh, the offensive line, we all know. So the perception of this team may not be exactly aligned with this team actually is. And the only way you change that perception is hanging W's on the scoreboard. And oh, yeah, man. Playing, playing better than people think you are. Uh, that doesn't mean overachieving necessarily. It's just playing to what you we 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 actually think they are. So I think that perception cleaning starts this week. I, not that I think that the Giants are so much better than Denver. I just don't think the Giants overall are as bad as you know the Stephen A. Smiths and the and the Bill Simmons of the world. The guys who have the loud microphones and are shaping perception for a lot of people. Not the hardcore football fans, but the ones that you know you. Have a conversation with a buddy of yours. Oh, oh the Giants suck. Why do they suck? Well, they, they, you know, the offensive line stinks. Like, okay. Well, now's the chance to kind of prove how good or bad you are. Yeah. I, well, I, I think, think they eke out a win, but I think this is going to be mostly field goals um, and, and some sloppy play. And I think there's going to be some big broken things and things like that. I have the Giants hanging 26 to 20. I think that's that's how I've got that one going. Yeah, I think we're similar. I, I don't think we're in. A, I don't think there'll be as much scoring as that in this game, but uh, I think the sentiment's kind of there. Um, you know, I'm saying like the, the game last night. You saw it was very sloppy. You know, mm-hmm. it was a, you know, there were silly turnovers that weren't even like real turnovers, like balls popping out of receivers' hands. A lot of penalties. A lot of stuff. Like if these two teams played later in the year, the game may not be so close because it'd be you're taking away the the elements of the game that make a game closer. You know, right. Dallas. Dallas is in that game because of four turnovers, not because they're playing, you know, uh, you know, step for step with, with Tampa Bay in that game. Not even so. a little bit. Uh, let's get into that. Normally what we would do is this this episode would be Friday morning, recorded Thursday night, and we give you our predictions for the whole NFC East. Real, real quick before we do that, uh, one thing we haven't talked about, which is, I guess, <laughs> it's pretty unusual, I guess, for a giant podcast. We haven't mentioned 26 once. He's he's gonna play. I mean, like I mentioned, he's on the Any injury report, but but yeah. everybody, but everybody seems to think he's going to play. I, I he I think he plays. I think he has a controlled set of snaps. That was my um, that was my question: is what is your reasonable expectation for what he's going to do in this game? Less than ten carries. I was going to say ten. Snaps or carries? Uh, I think I'll have ten carries. I think I'll have. 
12 to 15 snaps. Yeah, I'm right around there with you. Somewhere in there. 20 would be the absolute maximum, barring overtime, um, in terms of snaps. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a difference maker. But again, until I see it, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to have some breakout game. I would like to see him rip off some uh, crazy-ass 20-yard run. The fact that he's even out there and is being considered is something that the Denver coaching staff has to think about. And that is kind of a win in itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's whip around the league. I had predicted actually that Tampa Bay was going to win thirty-one to seventeen. It was I was not that far off. If I had factored in Tampa Bay giving the ball over four times, three kinda, um, I probably would have had a, a closer score prediction. The game yeah, was I mean, thirty-one twenty-nine. Yeah, I mean they they were just about to score and had, had a turnover. That one pick that just bounced off the receiver's hands. That's fluky. Mm-hmm. You know that, and that changes everything. That changes field position. That changes time possession. Changes all these different things. Um, let's talk more really quickly about you know Dallas for a second because that's who we care about more. Is how successful is Dallas going to be this year if they have to throw the ball you know fifty times? That's weird. You know, Dak Prescott came in with a shoulder injury that kept him out of all preseason. Now either that was bullshit or they've just made a calculated risk having him run the ball only. What was it, 10 times? Something like that. Yeah, it, ridiculous. Um, if that's what they want to do, that I mean, this is Mike McCarthy, and this is who he is, and I don't give a shit about he took a year off to learn from his mistakes and the things that he won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl despite Mike McCarthy, not the other way around. Um I think it's I think it's just weird also throwing the ball so much when you have a bad defense. You know, <laughs> why are you having shorter, you know, a game plan of shorter offensive series by throwing the ball more and putting that sieve out there? I, I don't understand it. I, and look, you know, I don't know. Um, it would not have been my game plan. I, I felt like Zeke was only just starting to hit his stride at the very end of the game because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you it was know, he fresh. Was, yeah, I mean, if that was their plan was to kind of like hang and then just kind of wear down, uh, they didn't do it, but they were set up to kind of do it. They were they were losing. I would have said that was a bad game plan. Yeah, that 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 was. Uh, I'm not Do, shocked. Would you feel better if they came in when they they played the Giants with that game plan than what ideally they would do with the personnel they have? Hell yes, <laughs> absolutely, Dak. Throw it the secondary, please. Please go for it. Um. The Chargers are at Washington on Sunday. Um, this is kind of interesting because I um, I don't really know what to think of Washington and the Chargers right now. They both they look better than what I expected. Um, I have I have the Chargers winning this one, twenty three sixteen. I think the game is just going to be kind of a mess as they get settled. I guess the question is, when does that four game you know, Fitz magic streak happen. Is it happened the beginning of, you know, his regime in Washington or does it happen later in the year? I mean, that's kind of, if he's Fitz magic, it's a pretty good team. If he's not, you know, I, 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 this offense can struggle. I mean, it's a good defense, but you know, you have to score in this league too. So, uh, I think the chargers are a, a sleeper team for me to like going really far in the playoffs. Um, I think they've been, I think they've been on the East coast a little longer than you normally would to kind of acclimate themselves for, you know, time zone changes and everything. 
I, I think the Chargers go in there and win also. Uh, 23-14 type of thing. I don't think – I don't – I the older Fitzpatrick gets, the less likely it is for him to have to be, you know, what you kind of stereotype him to be. So I, I don't think it's – I don't think he's the stopgap that they they need. It's going to be successful. I, I think I think uh, Chargers win. And then real quick, last one: Philadelphia is at Atlanta. This was to me honestly the hardest one to predict because both of these teams are so bad um, on paper. I, I mean, they're just brutal. Um, I have I have Philadelphia actually winning this game because Atlanta looks like shit. Uh, but I think it's going to be a high scoring mess. Thirty one twenty seven Philadelphia. I don't know where. Philly's getting 31 points from. I I actually have Philly as one of my elimination picks this week as being you know for losing. I until Philly shows me they can do anything, I'm not picking them once this year. I think they're, I think they're gonna be one of the two or three worst teams in the league. I think they're right up there with, with Houston for being you know, and and maybe even still Jacksonville as being you know just the dregs of this league. Uh, I think. It just becomes a high-scoring game, but not in their favor of upscoring a lot of points. I think they're going to lose something like 35-17. Okay. Fair enough. So um, we got to run. This episode's getting a little long. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan. We will be at the game on Sunday, um, probably hanging out in the Jamison room for about the hour before kickoff, maybe an hour and a half before kickoff. And if we're there even earlier, we'll probably just be wandering around and stuff like that. Yeah, I got a, uh, I got the first of my 7 a.m. flights to get back from uh, Florida USF. Uh, I think I landed at, I think I landed at Kennedy at like 10 o'clock. So, you know, the motorcade will be helping me get through the New York City to the Meadowlands and uh, be there as soon as I can. So be there for have a drink with you guys. So follow us on Twitter, you know, to let us, we'll let you know where we are, you know, come say hello and uh, let's talk some giant football together. All right, everyone. We will see you Sunday and we'll see you for an episode the next day. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.